square one. That's what this first pilot episode of the podcast is going to be called. And I think it pretty much sums up where we are as a club right now. Uh, I'm Ross. I'm the host of the Coivecast. And for one week only, just to get things started, uh, you've just got me for today, uh, for better or worse. Uh, in future, I do hope to have guests for each episode so we can have a real Castle of Tigers discussion. But for now, it probably does make sense for me to just kind of get my thoughts across First and foremost, particularly with the state the club is in currently and certainly the state of the Super League table. As you'll have seen on Twitter, if this is how you found the podcast, um, I was intending to do episode one after the next win. <laughs> but I did get a little bit concerned that that might take a while. I, I would like to get this podcast off the... I'd, I'd like to get it going in 2023. I think that goes without saying. So I have decided to get it started now. Uh, we're at the 22nd of May for the interested right now on episode one. Um, I'll intro. So, as I said, I'm Ross. I'm a 25-year-old cast fan. I've had a season ticket for the last 20, uh, those 25 years. Um, my first kind of memory, um, I've got a, I've got a vague memory of the Halifax Blue Sox playing Dark Lane. So, I mean, that probably ages my rugby league experience till about 2002, 2003. Um, I'm sure the can um can tell me if I'm right or wrong there but yeah so I've got quite a bit of experience to say I'm only 25 I, I've, I've been watching this team for for an awful long time um of course the fact I'm this age means I do just about remember the relegation years uh 2004 I vividly remember uh Ryan Hudson crying on the pitch in front of me back uh way, way back when um can't wait to that I remember the championship years or the um the National League, uh, as it was back then, and that they were good times. There were some pretty good times down there. It was quite nice to be winning every single week. I remember the trip to Blackpool, all that kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, going back up, going back down, going back up again. Terry Madison years is probably as I was just starting to kind of mature and realise what was actually going on. Um, some bloke called Ian Millwood came in for a bit. That's discussed that one. Uh, and of course, Danny Orr going into Darrell Powell. And I remember all those years and tried to follow the team. Uh, as much as I possibly could as a teenager I went home and away uh, as much as I possibly could obviously a little bit trickier now um, thanks to work I'm sure we all have the same thing there but certainly every single home game uh, I, I aim to be there if I possibly can be um, I'm a fan I'm a fan as much as you that's why I want to start this podcast because um, I think we're the only club who doesn't have one um, there has been various things over the years um, I know Tiger Talk was a thing a few years ago, not really a podcast, more of a radio show, but that was a thing. I know the club did their own uh, for a little bit, interviewing ex-players, and maybe that's a route we'll go down one day if we're, if we're given the access, who knows? Um, but yeah, I think it's good to give, just have something in this sphere um, because there are a lot of cast fans who have a lot of opinions, as we'll know, uh, on the internet. If you have a Twitter or a Facebook account, I'm sure you're very, very aware of that. Um, yeah, I'm a fan. I love the club. I love the club just as much as you. Uh, I guarantee you that. And I do have a slightly um, different experience to most in the sense that um, this is where this is where it could get juicy. It's not juicy at all. Um, so don't be expecting any gossip or anything like that. But I did have a little bit of time on the inside um, from a 16-year-old. Uh, I interned in the media department of the team. Um, I would imagine about 80-90% of the official uh, match reports you'll have seen on the website, on socials, all that kind of thing uh, from all three levels. So scholarship, uh, the Under-19s Academy, uh, as it was up to first team between kind of 
2016 to about 2019 when I finished, they were written by me from pitch side. I like, took in a lot of games over those three or four years. Um, watched like of Jake Truman when he was playing in the under 19s, watched a lot of scholarship rugby around that time. Um, obviously saw a lot of players from elsewhere during that time. I was pretty clued up to Jack Wellesby before he played for St. Elder's first team. He was a pretty, pretty, pretty good player. Um, yeah, I've seen an awful lot of games from that perspective and that does mean I also had the privilege in 2017, which I'm sure is a year we're going to talk about quite a lot. I had the privilege of experiencing that um, alongside the first team, in a sense. I travelled to every single game with the then media executive, Adam, who I'm sure will be on the podcast very, very soon. Wouldn't be surprised if he's guest number one, in fact. Uh, and Stuart Bowles, spent a lot of time with Stuart Bowles that year as well, who I'm sure needs no introduction. Um so yeah, I, I saw an awful lot around that time. Don't get me wrong, don't get it twisted. I'm not here to drop some big kind of expose on the club. I'm um, sure that'll be lapped up, but that's not what I'm here for. I don't have any gossip or inside info or anything, anything like that. I was there very, very briefly. Uh, I only did kind of a day a week. I'm not your man for that kind of thing. I, I'm not your man generally for kind of slating the club for the sake of slating it as well, which I want to kind of want to get across nice and early. There's you know there's plenty of people out there who take up that mantle and at the moment, as we're going to get onto. I get it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but this is not a podcast It being released at this time for the purpose of that. You know, I, I, I'm aware the Tigers, you know, we're 11th. Things are pretty bleak. You know, I, I'm not 100% sure where the next win's coming from, hence why we're doing the episode today uh, and not waiting a little bit. But this is not a pile on. This is not me adding to the volume um, of things going on on social media. I want to be fair more than anything I absolutely want to be fair um, so I'm also not going to give uh, the club the easiest ride in the world because there's no point in doing the podcast I'm going to do that and the club will do that themselves there's no point in doing that I am going to try and be as analytical as possible um, but ultimately as fair as possible there's no point you know some of the things we're seeing on social at the minute is probably not useful uh, I think if we're being honest I, I completely get venting frustrations but you know some of it's you're just you're just shouting at clouds. So I, I I don't I don't really get some of it, uh, although some of it is completely fair as well. So yeah, this is why I want to do episode one. This is why I want to do it myself, to be honest. Because for one thing, you can all make an assumption whether you want to listen again. <laughs> and I'm sure after that little spiel, some of you might not, which is absolutely fine. No one's obligated to listen to this by any stretch. Um, but before you jump onto future episodes, or we're gonna have guests, I just want to get my kind of point across about the club at the minute and kind of how we got here. How did we get here? So I think the obvious point to start is that aforementioned 2017 season. Um, I think it's impossible to talk about Castle Tigers in the modern era without discussing 2017 and starting there, really. I mean, the word 2017, I mean, uh, we need some kind of swear box or something because, I mean, the amount of times 2017 has, must have been said in the WF10 postcode since that year is... Is insane. Uh, it's, it's the go-to for everyone, but for good reason. It, it was incredible. Let, let's not get it twisted. It was absolutely incredible for everyone involved, everyone, everyone who remembers it, everyone who visited games, everyone who watched any of it, really. Um, it was special. It was really special. And the reason for that is clubs like ours don't have years like that. Um, you know, the enormity of what the team managed to do that year is still probably not recognised and maybe never will be on a grand scale just because of what happened in October, of course. But what it was was incredible. 
it was really, really incredible and gave me some of my absolute most favourite moments as a Castle fan, of course. You know, the Wakefield game where we lifted the trophy, the Saints game. Um, waste that early in the season, the Warriton game away, which I think was the first point I really thought, hang on a minute, we've really got something here. Um, you know, it was an incredible year, but at the same time, it kind of started everything. It, it kind of started everything good and bad um, because it set such an expectation for this club um, which realistically, and that's a word I probably use quite a lot over the length of the podcast, because unfortunately that's that's the world we live in. It's a very, very difficult expectation to hit year on year. Even the top clubs, even the very, very top clubs, Saints probably the exception right now, struggle to do it year on year on year on year. Look at look at Warrington, for example. Warrington have got all the resources in the world, 11th last season. You know, it's very, very difficult to hit expectation. We probably set as a club an unrealistic expectation for the future of the club, in a sense. And yeah, it's testament to what Daryl Powell and that team were able to do. I mean, we all got, we all did it. I, I'm as guilty as anyone. I'm as guilty as anyone. I went into, I went into 2018 thinking, well, we're going to win the title. Well, well we're not. Well, we're not. And we were right to think so, I think. But we now look at where we are six years later and we've got to, we've got to get a sense of realism, I think, uh, of where we are as a club. And I think that's where, that's where it all starts. It really does start from 2017. And um, yeah, it starts with the recruitment. It, it might start and end with the recruitment ultimately, but let's be honest, in order to keep rolling, in order to keep momentum up, especially when you're a team that cannot pay marquee players every single year, the likes of Wigan, Leeds, St. Ellen's can probably get away with it a little bit more. They can afford a few duds here and there. Um, it's very, very, very important you get your recruitment right. And with that retention, I think it's very clear that we got very excited in 2017. And, and again, because we massively surpassed, surpassed expectations, I get it. Contracts were given out that year and the preceding year, which didn't make sense <laughs> at the time they did. And that's, that's, the, that's the, the difficult thing. The players that were given contracts around that time, I'm speaking, I don't want to pick players out, but you know there was Adam Milner chat around that time. He's, he's one example. At the time, if we'd let him go, um, the board would have been hounded. But that's what it was. There's no right answer. It's very, very difficult at times. It's a rock and a hard play situation. There's players like Adam Milner who put in one of the one of the best performances I've ever seen in that semi-final against St. Ellen's. Let's, let's not forget. He was he had an incredible year. Um, was more than worthy of, of an England jersey, I think, a year later. Uh, it was sensational. If we'd have let a player like Adam Milner go, and again, I don't want to pick him out necessarily because he's far away. He's certainly not the worst culprit of this by any means. And has been a great clubman. Um, but he's just he's just the one that springs to mind. If we'd not signed him that year, uh, a number of other players, um, you know, the, the fan base would have revolted. As it happens, they did. Big money deals for a number of players, and some are still here six years on. That's that's kind of the problem, and that's where 
the real 2023 issue is because ultimately we know this squad's not good enough mainly because it's too old. That's what it is. A lot of these players are pretty much over the hill. We met a rough, a rough result back in 2017, 2018, because like I said, we, brought, we, we, we put these players on contracts and therefore the salary cap, and that's the real issue with this, we are in a salary cap sport, that's why it makes these things so difficult. It's why it needs to be done so, so well. Um, the recruitment of 2018 was really something to be believed, and I've got the list here. And We brought in Corey Aston, James Clare, Mitch Clark, Jamie Ellis, James Green, uh, Gary Lowe, Joe Wardle, they were the players we brought in um, in 2018. And, and the outs, in fairness, that year, Tom Holmes went to Professor Rovers, Kevin LaRoya, um, Luke Millian, who I'm not even sure made his debut, may have done. Uh, John Monaghan was released that year as well, and Andy Lynch retired. So we, we're not talking massive, uh, massive amount of players leaving. That's because they were retained. A lot of them were retained, which, retained, which meant we didn't have much cap room to replenish the squad. And let's be honest, of those players that came in, not great. I don't, I don't think any are at the club currently. Um, James Clare obviously just left, um, which is something in itself. You know, we, we didn't exactly, you know, we just made an old traffic grand final. We've just been league leaders. We didn't necessarily roll on with kind of the big names or anything like that because we couldn't. Uh, we couldn't. Um, but sometimes difficult decisions have to be made and difficult, difficult decisions I don't think were made necessarily that year. Um, nevertheless, 20, 2018 goes ahead. And I think it's forgotten in all this that in 2018, we were a game away from Old Trafford again. Um, there was a semi-final at Wigan. We were beaten, uh, we were beaten well on the day. I think Wigan were a much better side on the day. But we actually had a pretty good dig um, in 2018, to be honest. And like I say, ended up a game away from Old Trafford. 2019, year after, uh, don't worry, I'm not going to go into recruitment and retention every single year. Most of you know, you'll be very aware of this. I don't need to tell you to suck eggs. 2019 is a weird one because I actually think we fared quite well. Uh, we came fifth at the end. Um, that was without Luke Gale uh, for much of the year. And I think we ended up losing to a Jackson Hastings-inspired um, Salford in the playoffs that season. That was probably about right for that, that team was, I think, especially having lost Gale. I think having, if Gale had been there, we didn't have a kind of bit of a revolving door at halfback and you could still argue we hadn't really replaced fullback at that point, which is a whole different issue. I'm sure we'll have a whole hardacre episode at some point. Uh, it did take a while to replace that. We probably, there's an argument we still haven't, let, let, let's be honest. Um, I think fifth was about right in 2019, to be fair, from where the squad was. The squad was still young enough. Uh, I think the players that were there were still just about in their prime. I think there was some good talent there. And obviously Daryl Powell was still at the helm. That was probably about right. We hit Salford in the playoffs and Salford were excellent that year. Jackson Nations was, was superb, man of steel. That happens. 2020. Um, 2020 is a weird one because I actually think we could have been looking at this whole situation in a whole different way if COVID doesn't happen. And again, maybe I'm glass half full, maybe that's the case. 2020 might have been our best chance post-2017. Um, I really believe that with the squad. I think that was the last um, great squad that Powell had. I think in 2021, let's be honest, they were just getting over the hill at that point. I think 2020 might have been about the peak. Might have been about the peak for that squad. And in that sense, the retention maybe maybe worked. 
in the sense that 2020 should have been the peak because that's that salary cap sport. That's what you do. You, you go in cycles, generally a three or a four year cycle where you start from scratch and then you put money into your usually younger players, but players that are just performing well in the hope that in three years time at the end of their deal, they're pretty much peaking. And at that point you start again in the hope that that third year is the year where you really get something going. 2020 might've been that season um, in all fairness coming out of 2017, obviously COVID strikes and that really scuppered us. And we, I don't think we ever really recovered from that um, in 2020, which I think you kind of hold your hands up and go, do you know what? That's, that's one of those things. We all remember the St. Ellen's game, the famous super Sunday as it were, uh, where the entire sporting world was looking at the jungle. Um, we beat a very good St. Ellen's team on that day. Um, you know, that's the St. side that ends up, going on to win um, the grand final that year. Um, also that season, we'd drawn York City Knights in the Challenge Cup. They fall out with the Challenge Cup along with the rest of the championship teams. We draw Hull FC, shock. Um, and we end up losing to Hull FC. Um, maybe that could have been the cup run had COVID not straight struck. It, 2020 was difficult. 2020 was really difficult and just generally unfortunate, I, I would say. But, I, I, but again, that's where the kind of the peak of the cycle should have been. And I think that's where the cycle was kind of broken through maybe no fault of our own, but the cycle was really broken there. And we haven't recovered since. We really haven't recovered since. Since then, it's been it's been pretty bleak, let's be fair. We do have the Wembley run, um, which we should... I mean, we did enjoy. Let's be honest, we did enjoy it. Certainly the semi-final against Warrington was, was fantastic. It was a shame only a few fans could be there to see it. Um... And, you know, Wembley was what it was. You know, we ran into, you know, a Saints team at the absolute peak of the powers that day. Um, and that was a shame. One of the few teams to actually have a Lance Todd winner um, as a losing team that day as well. It was just probably a game too far. It was very, very warm that day. Maybe it was the black kit. Who knows? I will find anything <laughs> to make me feel better about that day. But it's not been great since then. Let's be honest. 2021 was difficult. The decision to let Daryl out of the door really dot early on, the fact that we knew so early that it was going to Warrington, I get it, it made sense. It did make sense, but at the same time, in hindsight, and hindsight's a wonderful thing, was it the right thing to do? Was Should we have just said, if you're going to go, let's go, let's get, obviously it would have been Rafford, do we get Rafford in now? And to give it a dig from me, and maybe that was the mistake that caused everything. Maybe that's what it was. Um, but ultimately 2021 was a, a bit of a write-off, certainly in terms of the league. That was never, ever going to happen with Powell out of the door. Um, it was kind of over before it was began as, as soon as as soon as that happened, in my opinion. Um, so that brings us to 2022 and the uh, the Newcastle era, as it was. Um, I guess we're still technically in that, I suppose. Um, yeah. It gets a little bit bleak, isn't it? Well, let's be fair. It gets a little bit bleak from here. Uh, Lee Rafford comes in. It was a poor start. It was a really, really poor start. Um, we had a decent middle of the season. And then we picked it out at the end. The one thing I think we could all say in 2022 and kind of make ourselves feel better with in 2022 was uh, injury-wise, we really were hit at that more than any other team uh, I will safely say we were we were genuinely unlucky in terms of injuries in 2022 um, I don't like using that as an excuse too much but I think that year we genuinely were I mean 
you know, the fact we lose Truman just as he's flying, really, literally in the game. <laughs> Jake Truman's best game of the season. He does his ACL. Ryan Amsher comes in, does his ACL. We lose Richardson to a similar kind of injury right at the end of the year. I mean, a halfback, it was an absolute... It, it was tricky, to say, to say the least. The fact that we got within literally about three minutes or two minutes of the playoffs was, dare I say, impressive. Maybe not a great year for the league. I would say I don't think it was a fantastic league last year. Um, I think the fact that the likes of Warrington, for example, were down there probably says it all. I don't think it was a good league at all last season, um, with the exception of Saints, obviously, at the top. The fact that the Leeds Rhinos made it um, into the grand final. I mean, we, we probably should have beat them in that game to knock them out of the playoffs. Um, that's a fact. So it wasn't a great year. Regardless, we did come pretty close, which meant I think we had a little bit of optimism <laughs> coming into this season. It was a weird one coming into 2023. It really was because no one outside, outside of the town gave us a chance this year at all. And they were clearly right. Um but I think, you know, whether it's just blind faith in the club, which I think we've all got to a certain extent. Um, I, had, I had a level of expectation this season. I really did. I think, you know, none of the signs have worked with the exception of Jack Robin, I think you would say. Um, obviously, you start with the halfbacks. I was... <laughs> the Widdup one was interesting. The Widdup signing, because the thing with Gareth Widdup is... We were all a little bit nervous about it, but the nerves came from, for me, his shoulder problems. He had real shoulder problems. He came with a shoulder problem. He's had it for many, many years now. He did it uh, again at the Magic Week, I think, for him last year. Um, that was my real concern for him. Um, what did excite me about it was this is probably our highest profile sign in. I can't remember a high one. I, I cannot remember a signing of a higher profile than Gareth Woodard for Casper Tigers. I mean, we're talking about, I believe he's the second most capped England player of all time uh, behind James Graham, I think it is. You know, it, it's a massive, regardless of his age, and obviously that's proven to be the real issue, I think. Um, a huge, huge signing. Again, level of optimism there. Jacob Miller probably had his best season in Super League last year for Wakefield. Um, was a bit weird in coming from Trinity, don't get me wrong. Maybe saw what was on the horizon there, would make sense with the fact that him and Fafita and a bunch of other players did move on. Um, again, not really excelled in the way and uh, the way we hoped, let's be honest. And, you know, he's probably got a little bit of a fight in his hands even getting back in the team once he's injured. The recruitment was poor. That's what we started in 2017 since recruitment and retention. It's now fully reared its head this season uh, in, in a big, big way. This is a downright poor squad at this point. And a lot of that is age. So much of it is age. So much of it is so many players being out of contract at the same time. It's unforgivable. Now that, that aspect of it is unforgivable. I will say for 14 players to be out of contract at the end of the year, and many of them big name players, or in certainly in the sense that they'll be earning quite a bit of money. Uh, in this team, for them all to be leaving or to be running their contract at the same time at their age, um, that's a little bit of malpractice for me, uh, I'm afraid. And I think at the rugby level, you know, that that's mistakes that have been made over two or three years rather than just this regime. Uh, I, I don't think you can lay your hat necessarily 
with last Radford uh, and the whole lot that we've got in. I think this is before that, in fairness. Um, you know, there's some big, big money kind of long-term deals that were signed before Rapid even coming in the door in 2022 that have put us in this situation. There's players now that are coming out of contracts and don't, I don't want to besmirch any of them because, you know, there's, there's players that have played a lot of games for Castleford and given a lot to the club over the years. But if we're being brutally honest, they shouldn't be here at this age. They shouldn't be here earning the money they're earning. And at other clubs where they were, let's be honest, a little bit more ruthless, they wouldn't be. Um, that's a little bit of my practice in there. And that's where that's where we're at. That's where we're at, which means, you know, I, I, I've put this episode, I've named it Square One. I started, it's the very first word I said at the start of this podcast, Square One. Um, we are at Square One now, I would say. And we're at Square One as of, I would suggest, the 1st of May. Uh, where the unofficial, apparently it's not really an official one, who knows, um, the transfer window uh, as it was, uh, or as the, the, the tampering period, basically the day in which you can speak to players and actually sign them for next season was the 1st of May. From that point, this is square one now. This is square one. I talked about cycles earlier. We're now at minus one. This is year minus one of that cycle. Um, year zero, I suppose. That would make more sense. Um, Recruitment has to be right for next season. It absolutely has to be right. Um, but we need to have an understanding of what that means. And for that, we need a little bit of patience. And I know, I know, I know. Twitter, Facebook, screaming at me right now. We are the least patient fan base in the world right now. I completely get that. And I'm aware there is a looming threat this season, which I'm going to get to. But thinking purely about 2024 right now and what I was talking about, recruitment and retention. Um, I mean, in terms of retention, there's very few of those 14 you, you bring up, you'd um, you'd allow it a Casper contract next year. There's going to be some, and that'll probably be greeted with a little bit of tuts, I guess. I think some people aren't going to be very happy when a few players are given new deals for the next year. The problem with that is there's not too much available for next season, which means we have to make the most of what is available. Um, the whispers I've heard so far, and I don't think it's even whispers really, I think it's pretty much confirmed. Um, Sam Wood from OKR, Josh Sim um, coming over from Australia, though of course he was a St. Helens youngster, a very, very highly rated one. One of those players I saw uh, a good few years ago, in fact. Um, and also Jordy Crowther from, from Wakefield. They seem to be the three that are pretty much nailed on to be here. I, I actually think they're the right kind of signings and probably a step in the right direction. They fit the age profile. They hardworking players. Um, Sim certainly has got a little bit of something about him in terms of class. Um, I don't think Sam Wood's too, too bad either. I think there's some Hull fans pretty disappointed that they're not bringing him across the city. Um, it's a good start. It's a good start, but we've got to make sure we really get that right. But again, what do we mean by right? Why do we need patience? I said earlier about cycles being three or four years. If we're at year one next season, we're not going to be challenging for a little bit. I think we need to just rein it in a tad. And this is what I was talking about earlier in terms of expectation and the unrealistic expectation we've had since 2017. This is not a club that's going to be challenging for silverware for at least two years, probably three, four, if we're being honest. And we need to kind of get on board with the fact that that's okay. Right, there's many fans, 
myself included, who, who remember a time before 2017, we remember a time before we win every game and we had these finals. And I mean, let's be honest, we, we there's always a cut run for you. You only have to win three games to get to a get to a cut final over the next couple of years. That's not out of the realms of possibility. You know, 2014, we got there. 2011, we were painfully close. Uh, that game at Doncaster, I apologise to anyone who has PTSD from that day and that's infield penalty, I apologise. Um, there's always a cut run there for you, but in terms of the league, you know, we are a, a good three or four years away from that. And again, that's okay. That is how salary cap sports work. It really is. And the, the prime example is Hulk KR. I mean, look at Hulk Kingston Rovers, what they're doing this year. I think they're currently third in the table. There isn't a cast fan alive, myself included, who wouldn't throw away our current situation in a heartbeat and take on what's going on at Hulk KR. They're probably the, the club on the rise in the entire league, including the likes of Saints. Um, they're kind of getting everything right at the moment. Three years ago, in 2020, during that COVID year, I think they won three games all season, maybe four. They were exempt from relegation that season um, due to COVID, but they were awful. They were they were a, a, a terrible team three years ago. Look at them now. It's because they got it right. It's because they made some changes and they got it right, which brings on to what we kind of really need to do and how we go about getting that right. So... I'm just going to kind of finish off. This is not going to be a very particularly long podcast. These are even going to be much, much longer um, in future weeks. Obviously, when I have guests to actually kind of spin off, this has very much just been me just talking at a microphone. It might, it might have been unlistenable, actually. So if you're still here, thank you very much. Uh, I have no idea how this sounds. And also, I'm never going to listen to this back. So please do let me know uh, at Twitter, please. Um, I'm at Ross Williams underscore, by the way, but also at Coifcast will do. Um, if you are still here, the main responses at the moment, I am going to respond to these a little bit in terms of what I'm seeing on social media at the moment. I don't want to do this too much. And in future episodes, I really don't want to be just repeating what I see on the forum or anything like that and just responding to it because it's boring. Um, but I do have to do it once, I think. Um, so I'll go into kind of two or three of the kind of main issues at the moment, the main things that are being called out and I'll kind of give my take on it at the moment and kind of, just take a step back and just, I'm just going to try and take a breath and actually just look at it kind of pragmatically rather than just instantly going on Twitter and typing out and posting something. I don't think that's necessarily helping anyone right now. First and foremost, um, sign some players. Sign, sign some players. Because like I said, there is a looming threat of relegation this season. That's not, it's not an impossibility. It's not an impossibility that Wakefield pick up a few wins at some point and put us in serious jeopardy of going down this year. And again, without going to IMG stuff, I don't really know what would happen if we go down this year, if I'm being brutally honest. I'm really not sure how damaging that could be, but I imagine pretty damaging. It's not beyond the realms they do that. I do think they are the worst Super League team there's ever been. Uh, I would say that with some confidence. I've been watching them a few times, including obviously the game we beat them this season. So I'm not as worried as some. <laughs> I would be honest. I think they are they're in a worse state than us. If that's possible, I think that's absolutely they're in a worse state than us. But it's still there. There is still the threat. It's still only four points. It's still only two wins. And of course, we do actually play them uh, before the end of the year in what could be a four-pointer. Um, so yeah, sign some players. Sign some players is the, is the approach. And it's probably the kind of thing that's been shouted out the most that I kind of agree with, uh, in, in a sense, because it's probably the thing that, well, it's, it's the only thing, let's be honest, it's the only thing that could 
near enough guarantee safety would be going out and signing three or four players that can instantly go in starting 13 and instantly improve us, right? I mean, makes absolute common sense, regardless of who the coach is, and we'll get into the coach in a sec. Um, you know, it's the players on the field, it's the players on the paddock. If the players are better than the current players out there, then in theory, you win more games. Makes perfect sense. The devil's advocate in me suggests, and I think people need to kind of realise this at this point, we are beyond that 1st of May deadline that I talked about earlier in the earlier in the pod, which means the players that are out of contract for next season are, well, the good ones at least, the, the, the players that would actually make a difference have either sorted out a deal for next year already or are currently negotiating a new deal. I don't know what any of those players would gain from doing three or four months at Castleford right now. I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Maybe if it's a player we've already signed for next season. That's, that's a possibility. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give us that. If it's a player we've already signed for next year, a la Alex Meller, for example, we did last season, that could, be, that could be a move. I could see that happening. Maybe that's true. But it doesn't really make sense from an individual point of view. They could, they could potentially jeopardise uh, a contract elsewhere if they were to do that. Um, and the players that don't have kind of those deals in place probably aren't good enough anyway. So you look at contracts of players that have kind of got two, three years and deals elsewhere, there's a transfer fee involved. And I don't, I don't know if people have realised, but this is not a sport with lots of money at their disposal right now. And that does seem to be something that's kind of... I, I, I don't want to pander too much, and this, this will feel like pandering, I know. But the money issue is being downplayed a little bit uh, when it comes to Castleford right now. And look, I've seen it all, penny pinches and all this kind of stuff and, you know, cast doing things on the cheap, et cetera, et cetera. It's not cast doing things on the cheap. It's rugby league doing things on the cheap currently. And there's a reason they're doing things on the cheap is because the money isn't there. That's a real sad fact at the minute, but it is a fact. I mean, the game in its entirety has brought in a consultancy and said, you don't have to give us anything. <laughs> you don't have to pay us up front. You don't have to do a thing, right? but you've got this game for 12 years and any money you can make from us, you could take a percentage of it. That's, the, that's a desperate situation the club is finding itself in with the IMG stuff. It, it's a desperate situation. And the only reason the game is doing that is because there's no money. People talk about all the problems the game's got currently, the sport, should I say. Near enough, all of them could be solved with some cash injection. It really could. It's not... There's, I've seen so many think pieces about the future rugby league and what we should do, this and that. 99% of it is just cash. It really is. If you throw, if you throw money at something, it is going to work. It's going to work. The fact of the matter is, it's a catch-22. The money's not there yet. The, the, the money isn't there. The whole, they're trying to gain money. That's, that's the whole point. The money is not there yet. It's not there at the league level and beyond a couple of clubs. OKR, probably one of them now, uh, I would say, and Warrington's probably another one. Wigan Leeds Saints are always going to have that kind of cash. Um, the clubs at our level, the, the money's just not going to be there. I mean, as I'm recording this, Tyler Dupree uh, has handed in a transfer request at Salford. Um, I mean, Tyler Dupree, you know, young prop forward, just played for England. Um, I love him. Uh, I'd be, be a great signing for the rest of the season at Castleford, absolutely, for the next three years. It'd be someone you could build your pack around, don't get me wrong. 
they've turned down a six-figure transfer fee. Um, I mean, are we the kind of club to have £100,000 plus um, lying around to bring one player in and then pay his wages? Uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know the answer to that question. I really hope we do. I really hope we do have that kind of money lying around and we can afford to do that. And one of the bids that have been rejected was us. I really hope that's the case. I don't think it is. I'll be honest. I don't think it is. I think the reason the club does things quote unquote cheap is because we've got to cut us cloth accordingly. I think that's, that's just the way it is. We're not a cash rich club by any means. And if we're being brutally honest as well, crowds of 4,000 in the challenge cup, although a smaller crowd was always going to be, was always going to be possible. Um, that's probably not going to be helping things either. You know, we're not a crowd, we're not a team, should I say, that's getting 15, 20,000 every week and gate receipts and all that kind of thing. And we're also not a club that can do stuff at the ground outside of the 13 days a year. Um, we're not a cash-rich club. It's not as simple as kind of going out and just saying, we'll sign him. I don't think it is. And also, there's the other element. As I said, we're 11th in the table. We are not a very attractive club to go to right now. These players that people are calling for, there's got to be an element of realism. There is the reality word yet again. They're not going to come. It's as simple as that, and I get it. Uh, from their point of view, you can understand why they don't want to come right now. It's probably also what's going to make retention pretty difficult for next season. So I think the fact that we've already got three players over the line that fit the profile is probably not a bad thing because, I'll be honest, until we get some real clear daylight in Wakefield, it's going to be pretty tricky bringing that calibre player in. Um so yeah, just signing players right now. I get, like I say, it's probably one I might agree with the most. If I'm being brutally honest, and I think it would help absolutely. But we don't see the books. We don't know how much money is available. We do know the kind of players that are available, and they're not very good. Let, let's not let's not get it twisted. There is not players out there that are going to instantly improve this team in a big, big way. We're not going to go out and get a superstar. That's not going to happen. I hope I'm wrong. By the way, I hope I'm wrong completely in all this, but I, I, I fear I'm not. I think we have to consider the fact that this squad is the squad we picked, rightly or wrongly, and the recruitment was wrong with this squad. The retention was wrong with this squad. Historically, it completely was. There's 39 players in that squad as well. Um, I believe there's 39. We'll take one, number 39 the other day. That's 39 wages. I can't imagine we're a million miles away from the salary cap anyway, uh, if I'm honest, with 39 players on the books. Bear in mind, the likes of Widdip will be on a big deal the kind of Liam Watts of the world will be on very big deals. I don't think we have the money to throw around. It's as simple as that. So I think we really do just have to grin and bear it this year and just a little bit of hope and prayer, a little bit of hope and prayer in terms of staying over Wakefield. And I think if we beat them at their place, we'll be fine. But we just kind of have to get through. And again, patience. There's just got to be patience and a little bit of hope and prayer there. It is what it is. Um, this is salary cap mismanagement. This is why you can't afford to do it. This is why you cannot afford to get things wrong uh, at that level like we have previously. Um, that brings me on to kind of the next point in terms of what I'm hearing a lot of is, you know, it's it sack the board, sack the owner, um, that kind of thing. I don't really know what people necessarily mean by the board um, in the sense that I know the people, I know what they mean by the board of directors. I don't know... <laughs> If the people saying this know what they do at the club, um, but I, I mean clearly, the accusations are going at the board because the team isn't good enough. 
um, which is what I've just stated. The squad isn't good enough. The board have clearly had a big say in putting this squad together over the last few years with the coaching staff, but the board have clearly had a big say. I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's a, a, a particularly kind of dramatic statement to say that, they, that they've had a say in this. Um, but they have made a change. I mean, I'm still seeing this as of yesterday. Um, but literally as of a week or two ago, Danny Wilson was named head of rugby, um, head of rugby something. I don't know. Head of rugby, essentially. Director of rugby is, is basically what he is now. Uh, I don't think we've had one of those since since John Wells uh, in that role. So clearly in this kind of bridge between, there probably has been quite a lot of input from the board and above in terms of bringing these players in. And clearly the likes of Albert Vete, for example, players like that have not have not been right, have not been right for the club. You know, the, the same stuff is being said now, a week removed from this quite positive move, I think. And again, it's patience, isn't it? I mean, I don't really know what we expect to change from one week to the next. It's the same squad. There's nothing you can do between that week. I mean, Danny Wilson's been director of rugby for a week. I'm not really sure what he's supposed to do. And I don't think there is anything he can do, as I said, or at least very little in terms of this season. The changes in terms of squad are not going to happen this season. It's about getting it right for the next cycle. This cycle's busted. This cycle's done. Look, like I say, we just kind of have to go on a whim and a prayer that we stay up this year. That's that's what it is. We've got to focus on next season. And I actually think, um, well, I thought the, the addition of Craig Lingard to the coach step was a very, very good move as well, by the way. But the other move that day, Danny Wilson, could potentially be uh, an even bigger step in the right direction um, in the sense that there's now someone in a clear role leading on this recruitment drive and also leading on retention. And it's someone who has been an assistant coach at the club over the last couple of years and actually knows his rugby. It's not someone sat in the director's box um, during the game. It's someone who's literally been on the field and kind of seen, you know, sees it, sees it daily, sees what this club needs to be, sees what the team needs to be. I actually think the positive step in terms of Bringing, bringing the right players in has already been made. We just need to wait a little bit and see what actually comes of that. And don't get me wrong, if we're sat here next year and the squad uh, is well off it, and I mean relegation fodder yet again, like I say, I don't think we're going to be competing, but you'd still want to be aiming at kind of edge of the playoffs. I think next season, next season would be a realistic kind of aspiration. I think realistically, if we can come 7th, 8th, ninth, and be well, well, well clear of, of 12th, then that's progress. If we're not that this time next season, then you hold your hands up and go, okay, he's not the right man for the job. But at the same time, in terms of right now, I think the board have made a positive step there. I think they have, and I think that needs a little bit of time to, to grow and, and, and actually let the man do his job. Let the man do his job. It's not something he could do overnight. You don't change the direction of a club. Um, you don't change an entire squad in a salary cap sport where it's impossible. You don't do it overnight. You, you, you have to wait. It's as simple as that. I'm, I'm an American sports fan. I'm a big NFL fan. What's happened to, what's happened to cast this year? What's happened to cast over the last few years? This is nothing new. We, we are not the first club to get it wrong um, at squad level and have to rip it up and start again. This happens all the time in salary cap sports. It's a fact, you know, you just have to go through a bad year. You have to go through maybe even a couple of bad years in the hope that you get it right. And then when the young players you're bringing in initially start to grow, start to blossom, get game time, 
they're going to be there kind of three years down the road. And actually, you're going to have a bit of a squad together, all paid the right amount of money as well, which is crucial in salary cap. Of course, you can't be giving players not worth the salt of the money. Um, money that kind of outweighs what they can provide to the team, which again is where we're at right now. We need to stop dwelling on what we've got right now. I think it, it, it's what it is. It's busted. We've got to focus on the next cycle. And in terms of the, the board chat, I think the board have made a positive step um, in, in terms of putting Danny Wilson in that role. And we'll see how that comes uh, in terms of recruitment retention. Because, you know, I mean, there's lots to talk about as well. Off-field stuff. Um, but I get it. Uh, there's certainly things at the club which could be a lot better. Um, communication, that kind of thing. There's definitely things. I mean, there's probably a list as long as arm, a list as long as that arm, should I say, of things the club could be better at off field. I completely agree. If we were currently in the playoffs, no one would be talking about it. That's a fact. That's an absolute fact. The reason why these things are being brought up is because the, the, the team isn't good enough at the moment. So I think you fix on field, the off field stuff starts to solve itself. I think that's. That's sport for you. That is sport for you. And I think it's just kind of putting more of a microscope on the other stuff because the team isn't performing quite as well. Not to say the other stuff should just be forgotten about, and that's not okay. Don't get me wrong, but we're also a bit of a shoestring team. It, you've got to get your balance right. As I say, if you throw money at something, it'll work. Is the money there? Probably not. That takes us on to the whole Ian Fulton out conversation, which, again, I'm hearing quite a lot of. My response to this would be give me a viable alternative, a real concrete viable alternative to Ian Fulton, who's going to come in, buy the club, potentially pay off any debt that's there and take the club forward. Give me someone who can really viably do that. I'm all ears. Absolutely all ears. Why not? Ian Fulton... Um, I mean, people can besperch him all he wants uh, on social media. Um, people quite liked Ian Fulton when we were lifting the League Leaders' Shield in 2017. So I'm not, you know, one of those things. And, you know, what his dad did to the club is, I mean, there's a reason why he's got a stand named after him, probably should have a statue. Um, we wouldn't have a club. I would not be currently recording the podcast about Castle Tigers if it wasn't for the Fulton family. That's as simple as that. Um, again, on-field stuff is really elevating and amplifying the voices in terms of the ownership thing. There was very little ownership talk last season, season before that, nothing the year before that. It it, it, it puts a microscope on it uh, when the on-field stuff isn't going right. And let's be honest, Ian Fulton's not necessarily putting a, put, putting a team on the field. And as I say, I'm pretty sure we won't be too far off the salary caps. It's not like the money's not necessarily there. Um, as I say, and saying that, if there's a viable option, if there's a viable option and wants to come forward, is really going to put Castlewood first, um, put the money forward, be legit. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I wouldn't be against any kind of takeover and for that. That's absolutely fine. But they've got to make sense. They've got to, they've got to make sense. It's not, it's not as easy as going on Twitter and saying sack the owner. Uh, it's not as easy as saying Fulton out without giving, a, <laughs> giving an alternative. I mean, it sounds silly, but, you know, You've got you've got the Man United situation with the Glazers at the moment. They've been saying Glazers out for years and years and years, and then an offer comes in. They don't like it <laughs> a lot of the time. You know, it's, you've got to, You've got to be careful what you wish for in a in a situation like that. And you know, the only thing damaging the current situation would be, you know, we're in a relegation dogfight middle of the season, but we are financially solvent. We own the ground. 
you know, the club's not going to go bust tomorrow. You know, the only thing worse than our situation right now would be being in a relegation dogfight in May. A new owner comes in, your kind of steady rock of finance isn't there. And all of a sudden, this person isn't quite what they said they were. Allah and Marwan Kukash, for example, who I did actually see his name mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Probably only right that he went bankrupt a few days later. You know, you've got to be careful what you wish for because if that was a situation we were in, it'd be tough to see a way back. It'd be a tough to see a way back for the club. So it really has to be viable. Um, so before we get any kind of protest going to get rid of the owner, let's make sure there's someone really steady waiting in the wings, right? I mean, let's just let's just let's just chill a little bit on that one. I think let's just chill. And as for kind of you know theories about what he's doing in terms of you know stealing money from the club and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's borderline libel, to be honest. I mean, I, I, you know, show me some figures and fair play. You know what I mean? There's a lot going around. There's a lot going around. And I'm not saying that nobody can hear rumours and nothing's true. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff just being said, which I, I'm yet to see any kind of real fact. I mean, you know, it's quite damaging stuff being thrown around. So just be careful with that one, I think. Um, I'm not saying you're necessarily wrong, but at the same time, yeah, it's damaging stuff to be thrown around for a bloke who literally, you know, his family literally saved the club. So let's be a little bit chilled on that one, um, I think. Um, and finally, I think the final one is just, you know, let's not buy stuff from the club. Let's not attend the games. Let's boycott. Let's protest. Let's, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's personal choice, isn't it? I mean, it's complete personal choice if that's how you stand, if you can't bear to watch this team this season. Um and you don't want to pay, you know, 25 quid, fair enough. I mean, 25 pound is hefty ticket price in this modern day and age. You know, it's the cost of living crisis, all that kind of thing. Completely get it. Completely get it. Um, yeah, it's complete personal choice. You don't want to pay for a game. Don't want to pay for a ticket. Don't go. Should you be galvanizing an entire fan base to do the same? Bear in mind what I said earlier in terms of finances of the game and how damaging a gate would be or, well, how damaging multiple small gates could be to the club. You know, I'm not sure that's the right way to be going about it personally, uh, for the best interest of the club, for the future of the club. Um, you know, I, I don't know how with one hand you're saying we should boycott and not buy anything from the club and not put any money to the club. You can be saying that and on the other hand go, we should sign X, Y, and Z. I mean, that's, you know, think about it. Money. <laughs> it all comes down to money at the end of the day. Um, so much of rugby league comes down to money, and it's such a shame. But that is really at the crux of it. And we we are not a cash blessed club at the moment. Who maybe this maybe this owner we're hearing about that's going to come in is going to inject loads of cash into the club, and we're all going to be sawed. Who knows? Who knows? But until then, I think again, just a little bit of sensibleness uh, would would really go down well. Um, I think you know, I'm, I'm very aware that I've probably come across as you know, on, on the club side uh, in this podcast. Um, I get that. I'll probably be called a happy clapper or whatever, whatever, whatever else is going to be thrown around. Um, but I, as I said, I started the podcast saying I'm glass half full. I'm not here to just add to the, add to the volume of negativity. There's absolutely no point whatsoever in doing that. Um, I just want to see it from a fair point of view. Things aren't right at the minute. Things have gone terribly, terribly wrong. The people at the top have mismanaged this squad to a massive degree and put the club at risk and put the club at risk. Do they 
Should there be change at the top? Should there be change to the people who've been responsible for this? I'm not going to say no. I'm certainly not going to say no to that. Um, but I, what I would say is it's not like they haven't done anything. Look, I know they don't communicate much. I know we don't get much communication from the board directors. That's that's how the club operates, I guess. Not every club is the same. Some clubs are very, very vocal about it. Cass are not, never have been really. Um, they did They did act. They did act. And we'll see how that comes to pass. Should they be judged on what came before? Uh, and should they be moved on because of what happened? Um, certainly if it obviously results in touch word of relegation, let's hope not. Um, yeah, I, I think you can certainly argue that. I think you can argue that because there has been malpractice. We went through six years of how this went wrong, certainly the last three. Um, it, it, they got it badly wrong. The club got it badly wrong in terms of the on-field product. Really badly wrong. Should heads roll because of that? Maybe. Maybe. But I'm willing to give it to the end of the year at least and not just completely meltdown. Um, yeah. That's been a lot of talking. It's been a lot of talking. I need a, I need a drink. Um, I don't know how many of you have listened to this. I don't know how many of you made it to the end. I imagine a very, very select few, but I really do appreciate you doing so. Um, these are going to be a lot more upbeat <laughs> from, from now. This is episode one. This is really just me getting everything out on the table in terms of what I've been thinking about the club lately. Um, you know, you'll probably see my thoughts if you follow me on Twitter at Ross Williams underscore or at Coifcast. Um, this is going to be a lot more upbeat. There's going to be someone else here. We'll be chatting about cast. It'll be a, it'll be a lot more fun. I promise you, a lot lot more fun. We can talk historic stuff, talk about favorite games, all that kind of stuff. Basically, I want this to be a podcast by the fans for the fans. So anything you want to hear on a cast podcast, let me know. Let me know, and I'm sure we can get it in. Uh, if you want to appear on the podcast, let me know. Uh, absolutely, we can make it happen. Uh, I'm local. We can make it happen, 100%. Uh, there's, the podcast is our oyster, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, thank you very, very much if you've listened to this absolute spiel uh, for the last half an hour, 45 minutes, however long it's been. Um, yeah, they're my thoughts on it. They're my thoughts on it. If you agree, if you disagree, I'm sure you can let me know. Please do on Twitter. Let's get a discussion going. Uh, and we'll, I'll see you next time. I'll see you next time, hopefully with a guest. Um, Kaif. <laughs>